abbiamo Stroller School. Kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for this opportunity to come to talk with you and to talk with your servant. Father, tonight as we open up our hearts and our spirit to you, we pray, Lord, that you'll dive to the deep most precious part of our being. Father, that we'll be able to be truthful, trustworthy to all that are around us tonight. And Father, that we'll be able to deal with things at this hour and learn exactly how you would want us to apply the lesson of this hour to our life as we go forward. Father, be with those tonight that wanted to be here because circumstances they couldn't make it. Father, be with those tonight that just hadn't got it on their schedule to be here. But God, most of all, let us tonight walk out of here and know that you have spoken to us and that you get the glory out of everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're on uh, Lesson 7, The Moat and the Beam. And it's on page 42. And uh, this, you'll be sharing your book with Dolly. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That friend of ours has got something in his eye, though it is only something tiny. What Jesus called a moat, how painful it is, and how hopeless he is until he, it is removed. It is surely our part as a friend to do all we can to remove it, and how grateful he is to us when we have succeeded in doing so. We should be equally grateful to him if, if he did the same service for us. In the light of that, it seems clear that the real point of the well-known passage in Matthew 7 three through five about the beam in the moat is, is not the for, forbidding of our trying to remove the fault in the other person, but rather to the reverse. It is the conjunction that, all, that at all costs we should do this service for one another. True, its, it's first emphasis seems to be a condemnation of consensus. Okay, we're gonna go back to that word men see the meaning of it, good, the meaning. But when the this in us is removed, the passage ends by saying, then thou shalt see clearly the, the cost of, uh, to, to cast out the moat out of thy brother's eye. According to the New Testament, we, we are meant to, to care so much for each other, for the other man that we are willing to do all we can to remove from his eye the mode which is, is marring his vision and hindering his blessings. We are told to admonish one another and exhort one another, to wish one another, to wash one another's feet and to provoke, and to provoke one another to love and good works. The love of Jesus poured out in, in us will make us want to help the, our other brother this way. So let's go back to that censoriousness. Uh, censoriousness. I've tried to say it over and over, and I still can't say it correct. Censoriousness. It's a judgment. Censoriousness. This is making a echo. You sure? All right. Okay, it's a judgment. Someone who is censorious judges every everyone and and everything who is who is 
let me start again. <clears throat> uh, is someone who, ju who, who is in sources, judges everyone and everything, running everyone's good time with harsh criticism. So, um, we've got to make sure that we don't have all this inside, these things on the inside of us, judging, because we can become a problem. The adjective, the adjective for, for uh, censoriousness is harshly critical and fault-finding. Now, how, um, God is wanting us to be able to, God's wanting this church to grow. And I'm believing that the Friday night services and all the other services too, but this is like an open discussion. It's more freer on Friday nights to say, okay, I, uh, I don't understand this, or I got this, or I got this comment back and forth. So it's sort of like a Sunday school class more than it is. Uh, it, it's, it's similar to a Sunday school class. So you have freedom in there to to talk and discuss what's going on, maybe in your life, things that you or or questions that you might have according to the Word of God. And, and uh, it's it's a good time for us to to really uh, get serious with the Lord. And, and look at ourselves because, you know, if we if we are always looking at somebody else's faults, what happens? We're going to we're going to suffer for it because we we're, and, and for one thing, we're opening the door for the devil to come and beat us up. Whether it be with sickness, whether it be with whatever it might be, we are opening ourselves up. But now we need to realize now we are dealing with the soul part of us. We know that we got, when we got born again, that our spirit man was born again. We are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. And so what we're having to deal with is our soul part, the part of us that, that will cause us to, you know, to get along with one another. Because when you got born again, all of your problems did not leave. Amen. Definitely did not. He said uh, to uh, work out your own salvation with fury and trembling. That doesn't mean we got to work. To be born again, that means we got to work what's on the inside of us out. Because when we got born again, we got everything we need to live a life that pleases God. We've got everything on the inside of us, and we just don't know how to pull it out. And we got to work it out. We got to, and uh, you know, the Bible says, "Babies desire to sin, still milk with the word that they may grow." So when we get born again, we got to grow. And there's a lot of people that's been born again for years, and they're still baby Christians. Amen. Really, and and so what um, what we want, uh, what my my goal is to grow up. Amen. I want to grow up and be and be Christ-like, and um, I, I I know I have issues or things in my life that I have to deal with. Nobody is perfect, and we don't. None of us need to start pointing fingers at somebody else Amen. that has a bigger that we think has a bigger problem than we do, but we might have a bigger problem than they have. Because we might have that log in our eyes, porn, and and so <clears throat> I I'm, I am uh, I'm believing that we are really going to grow up in this church, and when it, when 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 new people come in, if they got problems or issues, we're going to be we're going to be grown up enough to deal and help and yes. help help them help them grow up instead of saying, oh well, you know, you don't fit in this clique or you don't whatever. We can't do that. That is not what God is wanting. He wants us to love one another to life. Amen. And that's what I believe in. I believe he, that we are we are going to accomplish it because we set our minds to it. Had we not, we wouldn't be having. I think when we decided to have 
of the extra class lump on Friday nights to just be able to just be open and say, okay, you know. Uh, 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 so, so um, I'm believing that we're gonna we're gonna really get get what we need out of these services. <clears throat> Let's go on. What blessing may not come to many others though, through our willingness humbly to challenge one another as led by God. A humble Swiss, Swiss named Nicholas of Bethel, one of the Society of the Friends of God, crossed the mountains to Stayburg and, and entered the church of Dr. Of Dr. Clarence, the popular preacher of, the, of that city. <clears throat> Said Nicholas, Dr. Clarence, because you can, because you can, can do your greatest work for God in the world and this city, you must die. I know we had uh, that, uh, of dying to self, uh, one of those chapters in here of dying. We had to die to self and be alive unto God, and we've we got to lay our life down. Don't make any difference what's going on. You know, we just got to stay. And then we went on the highway to holiness. We got to stay on there. We, we learned that. We got to stay on. The enemy's out there trying his best to get us to slide off of that. But we got, we got to be wise and, and stay on it, on, 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 uh, in God's will. He said, but he said, before you, you, you have to die to self and you'll, you have to die to your gifts, your popularity, and even your own goodness. And when you have learned to the full meaning of the cross, you will have a new power with God and man. Okay, what's, what does it mean when they say die to your gifts? Explain that. Because I've always wanted to know what that means. Uh, die to your gifts? That means to, uh, I'm sure Pastor Kip can, do, can add on. I'll just answer what I can, and he can. Uh, it means you can't uh, think that your gifts like you. Um, be bold and boastful. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and so you're better than someone yes. else. Yes. Uh -huh. that, that's, that's why I ask, because there's a lot of people out there that say, I know I can do that, and I can do it better than you are, and, and nobody's better than me. Well, everybody has people who are better than their, them at other things, you know. And but it, you have to lay it down. But the way I look at it is, you have to lay it down at the cross and say, "Hey, you know, no matter even if I make a squeak, yeah. if I'm doing it in the right way, mm -hmm. it's to honor God." You know. Amen. You have to have. You have to. In, in order, your gifts. Everybody has gifts. Certain gifts is the way I look at it. But you have to. You have to be able to to let that gift shine through, even if it's just a little squeakling of a of a <laughs> Yeah. So, am I right about that? Noise. It didn't necessarily mean it was.
He said, first cast out the deep fiendish in your eye, and then you'll be able to help your brother pull the, the beam out of his eye. So here's a question. Is it okay for a Christian to be critical of another? If they go to that person, I think that they can uh, help bring that out of whatever it is. And, yeah, what I'm saying is this, does this verse stop you from being critical of somebody? No. It says to make sure, though, in the chapter, to make sure that you're right. Then it's your duty to go to help well, a brother or a sister. I kind of I kind of think that, that you, uh, and tell me if I'm wrong, because I will. will. I know he will. He can't be worse than more than he would job. Believe me. Um, I kind of think that if you are not, if you're a Christian and that you are critical of someone else without making sure that you, in other words, people people go through things every day, and you you have to deal with them on a personal level. If you're not critical of yourself and take that to the altar and ask God to, to help you get through those things, then you shouldn't go to someone else and try to tell them what they should do with their life. Get what I'm saying? Okay, well, but if I go to the to the altar and I say, Lord, I may not be perfect, but I need I need you to help me see what my thoughts are, and he starts helping me work through those. Sometimes if you see somebody going down that same path that you're going, that you've been down, I think it's okay to go to them and not be really what you say critical, but just to try to guide them in that right direction to show that, that you you really need to keep them from doing what you've done in that sense. If it's constructive right. criticism instead of destructive yes. criticism, yes. That, that's and it's the like attitude that. that you bring it to. That's right. You bring that that you bring it to that person. If I go to Janice and I say, Janice, I really don't. I I, I think that the way you put that word out there, are you sure that's the way you mean? Because I go, Janice, you know better than to bring that word like that. You know there's not a thing in the world of what you said or how you said it. You. You just mess it up here. That that should. You're trying to help her <clears throat> and get more help for yourself as well. Right. So I think it's So I think everybody agrees that you can be that, that God does not stop you from being critical of another brother or sister. Yes. What's the difference between being critical and being hypercritical? Like Betty just said. You know, you go to that person, and you're not really criticizing, but you're letting, you're just bringing it to the point, like Betty said. And Janice, you just did not bring that's how you put it. So, we're emphasizing the difference between how you bring that criticism to the person. Is that what you're saying? Mm -hmm. And then how be like you're always criticizing that person? There's a, difference. There's a difference between being critical and being hypercritical. When, when you're critical, it's in a different intent. It's a different mindset. It's a different. It's, it's a different. Um, I'm trying to search for a word. It's, it's a different criteria. That's, that's, that's what I'm it's a different criteria that you criticize that person with. Uh, if I went to Angry and I was hypercritical of Angry, then I would always find something and judge Angie based mm -hmm. upon a criteria that 
Angie would never be able to meet. She yeah. can't meet it. Nobody could meet it. Some people think a preacher's supposed to be perfect. A preacher mm -hmm. can't be perfect. There's no way around it. Hypercriticism <coughs> is when you are criticizing someone on an outlandish criteria. Oh, you're a preacher. You should never get mad. Well, that's, that's to take the, the focus off of them, most of them. True, but, but God still gives you the idea that you have the right to criticize or be critical of your brother and sister in a helpful way. Mm -hmm. Why? Why is it that God allows us, that Jesus allows us, to be critical of our brothers and sisters? Mm -hmm. So they can get their help. So they do what? Get their help. So we can get help. Why would why would we need to be critical of someone for them to, be, to get their help? Why do you think? Because they probably don't really well. They don't realize maybe that their father is sure. And it, 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 that's me. That's me. It can also mean that they would be yeah, causing lots of trouble if you didn't go to them and show them. Hey, look, you were wrong in that situation. It could be dealing with more people, just not just a personal thing. Maybe you might have to help uh, someone see their fault because they're causing a lot of division or causing a lot of problems or gossiping or whatever it might be. And being critical, I know I might be going in the wrong direction. I think, I think the answer to my question is found in the first chapter, first paragraph. It says that friend of ours has got something in his eye. Friend. Though it's only something really tiny, how painful it is. And how helpless he is until it's removed. Have you ever had anything in your eye? What happens when you have something in your eye that you can't get out? It burns. So you get to the point where you lose your vision, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So a little speck in someone's eyes causes their vision to be distorted. Mm -hmm. So so God allows us because there's been people that's been in pain and you'll tell us, Hey, you need to go to the doctor, get that eye washed out, but we can't get nothing of that out of it. I was welding one time and a piece of hot metal chipping the flag and it come off and it went in my eye. And uh, if it had been over uh, another middle inch or whatever, it got my pupil probably blind. That was the hardest thing I ever had in my life. But I was going to be this tough man, you know. Uh, I'd seen other people do it and get it in their eye and, you know, they go wash it out and then they go on back to work and they work out. So I was going to work the rest of the day. With my eye burning. Mm. Well, about two hours into it, I realized I can't leave this thing in my eye. I can't even see how the well this be. I can't see where I'm going. And I have constantly, after a while, my whole face was raw over here and it started swelling up. Mm -hmm. So the Lord allows us to be critical of our brothers and sisters because when there is a speck in their vision, when their vision is blurry, when they don't see, true vision of the Lord, we are to go with the right criteria yes. and be critical of them to try to pull that out of their eye. However, the big thing about it is you can't do that 
with a bunch of specks in your eye. If you go to a blind doctor and ask him to pull something out of your eye, you you know you opened up yourself to a world of hurt. If, if I gave Darlene a knife and she was blind as a bat and tell her to cut on me any way she wanted to, she might just do like this and really take care of me. But I wrote something down. I said, it causes people, causes you to be irritated. Anybody ever know anybody to be irritated? Do you know why people get irritated? Why do people get irritated with you? They don't like what you're doing. Because most of the time, Mm-hmm. So, so they see that speck in there, they see that. But most of the time, but the reason why they're aggravated, but they're mostly aggravated because they see what they have in them that is bad, and and you Maybe. got it too, and, and they get aggravated because you showing them what they've got. But why do you get irritated with somebody that's just talking to you? Why do you get irritated? It's because you don't see mm-hmm. what they see. And because you don't see what they see, you get irritated. Yeah, because you don't want to really hear what they say either, too. That's true. That's true. So, we have every right to get in people's business if they will allow us to. Mm-hmm. But when we get in their business, we got to be real careful not to be, be censorious. Censorious. We have to be mm-hmm. critical with the right criteria. That's right. And I've had people, you know, I've, I've approached them with, with a very most heartfelt, sincere desire to try to help them see what I see. And oh, Lord, you know, it, it's the worst thing I've ever done in my life. In, in their view, mm-hmm. that I come up to try to help them with the situation they have. But they, their, their vision is so blurred that they don't see that they are <coughs> in pain, that they need someone to pull it out. They've they lived with the pain so long, the irritation so long, yes. that they're, 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 the Bible says they turn in and have gall, they wind up in the gall of bitterness. So, Although Jesus is talking about it, if we miss what he's saying here, and I'm going to hush, I'll get this back. But we, we think we shouldn't be looking in nobody's life. We should stay out of everybody's business. But on the flip side of that, Jesus, that last verse there, he said, first get rid of that beam in your eye, and then you can see clearly to cast the beam out of your friend's eye. So you got to responsibility. You supposed to be looking in my life and cast all the specs out of my life, but you better not come to me hypercritical because if you do, I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to accept it. It's not from God. It's from the enemy trying to make you feel bad. But if you come to me in a critical way, judging me the right way, then maybe I'll keep my eyes open and my ears open and I'll listen to you. But if all I hear from you is everything I do is wrong, if I got anybody in your life like that, everything you do is wrong. Then what happens every time you got you go out there and you clean up the house? Well, you didn't clean the house up right. Well, you dreaded um, to be around. You mowed the grass. Why did you mow the grass this way? Or you washed the car? Why did you wash the car with this? You know, it's, it's always it's hypercritical. Mm-hmm. 
and you couldn't live up to them demands and that criteria before you tried. And that's why Mama always said, what did she say? If you didn't like the way I done it, do it yourself. You know, that's the way she pointed it out to us. Mm -hmm. You know, if we were always complaining about the way something was done, she'd say, well, well, I tell you what you do. You do it yourself. Do it your way, and let's see what happens. So she, she always made a good point with that. She, she wasn't really what you say with well, at times she could be real, real, real critical. But that she brings up something ways. else. If, if the right of the fact is that we as brothers and sisters have the right to be critical of each other, then we got to be willing to allow <laughs> Sissy to crit be critical of us. Mm -hmm. and, and, and when we're willing for Sissy to be critical to us, she got to be willing for us to be critical to her. That's right. And when she gets to the point where she's in, being hypercritical, then we supposed to let her know, hey, now you get you getting across the line. That's right. I'm gonna shut up. Okay, can I say something? Sure. I feel like if uh, you see something in your brother or sister's life, make sure you go and pray and ask God. That's right. To lead you right. to say something to Amen. If you go and God has not told you That's right. to, it's going to cause more damage than what you need to pay. Give me an Number one. Is when, when you're being critical with the right criteria, it can be very helpful to a body of believers. But when you go about it the wrong way. And that critical, I, I kind of rather use the word try to be helpful to you. Well, that's what the word critical actually means, is to be helpful. I, I don't want to be critical. It's, it's, it's because everybody has threw that word into a negative mm -hmm. life. It's not hypercriticism or destructive criticism that you're talking about. And I believe there's a place for destructive criticism. Mm -hmm. But hypercriticism is everything you ever do is never enough to feed nobody. That's not you got a family member like that. Yes. Don't matter what you do, you can't never leave it. Mm -mm. You can you can empty your bank account and you should have gave them more. Jesus. I'm a hush now, I promise. Go ahead. <laughs> well let me can I yes. I'm just gonna say this. It's about the speck in your eye. One day I came home and Hambone has some things going on with his eyes and has for a year but one day I came home and I remember standing in the hallway and he said mama I got a piece of wood in my eye you know and Aww. he's thinking it's like this because it hurts so bad and the reality is it, it's probably a little hair little speck and the Holy Spirit said now he thinks he's got a piece of wood in his eye what about what you have in yours mm -hmm. stop mm -hmm. and look stop and look I think the most painful thing I ever had in my life was when I, I was coming home many years ago, Tina and I were dating. And I was coming home one night at 2 o'clock in the morning, and a deer jumped out from the woods on top of the car and came through the windshield. And I, I didn't have no glasses on. And all the windshield glass that was in it come into my eye. Oh, man, that was the hardest thing I think I ever lived through in my life. And years later, because glass goes in your eyes and it goes all the way to your bone and then it works back out. Years later, it started coming out of my eye. So there's a wound when it goes in 
And if you don't get it out when it comes out, it hurt worse when it come out than it did when it went in. And it, it hurt bad both ways, but it got so bad there at one time. I had two coming out. I had one coming out this side and one coming out at the same time. Oh, my goodness. Lord, how mercy. I thought that I would go. That's something about, though, how painful people are living in their life and they are irritated so to the point where they're not affected with it. And it just takes certain seasons for that to come in. Anybody else got anything before we go on? All righty. We'll go back to where we started with the pilots, you know, the, the, um, you had to lay your diet to yourself, your popularity, even your goodness. And when you had learned the full meaning of the cross, you will have a new power with God and man. That humble challenge for, for an, uh, this Christian called, I read that, didn't I? Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, um, that humble challenge from uh, an absurd Christian changed Dr. Thought's life, and he and he did indeed learn to die and became one of the of the great factors to prepare the way for Luther and the and the Reformation. In this passage, the Lord Jesus tells us how we may do this service for one another. It's a service, right? That's what I think about. It is. So when we learn to do all this dying to self, we're gonna come out to where the body of Christ. Yeah. Can it really be what we're supposed to be? We'll see the healings. We'll see the manifestations of his glory. We'll see the love of God manifested. We'll see all the goodness that we're wanting. We'll see people coming when they come into church, get their healing, get their need met. So when we, because if we've got all these issues, how can we help others? <clears throat> what is the being? First, however, the Lord Jesus tells us that it is only too possible to try to take the, the tiny moat, a uh, a tiny speck of sawdust out of another's eye when we when there is a beam when when there is a beam a great length of timber in our own. When that when that is the case, we have haven't changed. We haven't a chance to of casting out the moat in the other because we cannot see straight ourselves. In any case, it is sheer hypocrisy to attempt to do so. Now, I know that everybody knows what hypocrisy is, but I'm going to read it in <clears throat> Excuse me. A pretense of having a, a virtuous character, moral or religious belief, or principle, and so on, that that one does not really possess. A pretense of having some desirable or public approval attitude. So it's something that we that we go on now. What is the being? First, first, however, the Lord Jesus tells us that it is only too possible to, to, to try to take the tiny moat, a tiny speck of sawdust out of another's eye when there, there is a beam, a, a great length of timber in our own. When this is the case, we have haven't a chance of casting the, out the moat of the other because we cannot see straight ourselves. In any case, it is sheer hypocrisy to attempt to do so. Now we all know what Jesus meant by the moat in the, in the other person's eye. It is, it is some fault which 
we fancy we can discern in him. It may be an act he has done against us or some attitude he adapts towards us. But what did the Lord Jesus mean by the beam in the other's eye? I suggest that the beam in our eye is simply our unloving reaction to the other man's moat. Without doubt, there is a there is a wrong. Without doubt, there is a wrong in the other person. But our reaction to that wrong is wrong too. The moat in him has provoked in us resentment and coldness, or criticism, or bitterness, or even speaking of ill will. All of all of the embarrassments of the of the basic ill unloved. And that says the Lord Jesus Christ is far, far worse than the, the tiny wrongs, wrong, supposedly quite unconscious, that provoked that provoked it. In the Greek a moat, in, in the Greek a moat, a little splinter, whereas a beam means a rafter. <clears throat> By this comparison, the Lord Jesus means to tell us that that our unloving reaction to others' wrong is what. A great rafter is to a little splinter. Every, every time we point one of our fingers to another, it says, it's your fault. Three fingers are pointing back at us. God, God have mercy on us for, for the many times when we have, have so been, with, done so with, with, within our hypocrisy. We have tried to deal with the other person's fault when God saw that, 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 that there was this thing far worse in our hearts than what was in theirs. God has mercy on us all the time. Yeah. For his mercy and grace covers, covers us. But we're growing. We're learning. We're going to get there. But let us think. Let us not think that the beam is, uh, is of necessary some violent reaction on our part. The first beginning of, of the resentment is a beam, as it is also the first flicker of an unkind thought or the first suggestion of unloving criticism. Where that is so, when it, it only distorts our vision and we shall never see our brothers as he really is. Beloved of God, if we speak to our brother with that in our hearts, it will only provoke him to adopt the same hard attitude towards us. For it is a law of human relationships that with which measure you meet, it will be measured back to you. So we all need to know the laws that govern her because we know what measure we meet, it's going to come back to us. So if we do wrong, it's going to come back. It's a law. So we best stay away from breaking those laws and try to do the and 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 grow up and take the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the Word of God, capture thoughts, do whatever we need to do to keep ourselves out of doing that. <clears throat> Anybody got any comments on what I've read so far? Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. I think that we have to be real careful about what we actually do see. Because it's a proven fact. What you focus on is what you're going to see. If I was to have you focus on a certain area on the wall there, 
and your attention was on that wall there on the back. And something happened back here in the back of the building. You ain't going to know what happened in the back of the building because right. your focus was on that wall. Mm -hmm. This is what I mean by that. I wrote this down. Your intentions determine your perceptions. I want you to listen to what I'm saying. Of what you desire is what you see. Chances are, you got a speck in your eye because your desire is desiring the wrong thing. So before you jump out and perform this service of being critical to your brother, better make sure you got your vision right. Amen. See what you're able to see. Because I preached a message one time that was entitled Blind Spots. How many of y'all here tonight have got blind spots? Amen. Amen. Some areas in life that somebody can help you see things a little bit better. Amen. I ain't saying all the time that I receive everybody's criticism well all the time. But I don't. Because sometimes if you see someone as hypercritical, when they come to you with true, being truly critical, trying to, to point out where you should be and where you can be, you may see them being hypercritical when they're not being hypercritical. Mm -hmm. And because of that, then you know, you always do that. You always do that when in all reality they don't. So we all got a problem with our vision. So it says, I wrote this down, it says, your current state of mind will affect what you see and what you pay attention to. What will strike your attention will allow you to see what you see. I can walk out of here with everyone all night. We can walk out in the front yard and I would, could stop you right there and say, okay, well, it's three minute seconds that we walked out here. Tell me what you saw. And you probably tell me with them flyers over there was mighty pretty. I ain't paid attention to them flyers to start with. <laughs> Tina might say, well, the grass needs to be cut. I may not even look at the grass. <laughs> Betty might say, well, we need to clean up around here, and I ain't paying no attention to that. Janice might say, well, I was paying attention to Darlene when she walked out here. <laughs> so whatever you allow to strike your attention is what you're going to see. And the way your mind is at that point in time, that's what's going to become your focus. I put down, intention affects how you process information. I can stand up here and try to minister to you and all the love of the Lord that I've got in my heart and try to minister to you to make you do better. But if you're looking at me in the wrong mm -hmm. mindset, you don't think that I have the intent to help you. And you take it offensively. I mean, in all reality, I didn't mean that anymore. I used it one time before. Uh, we, we were talking about the root of bitterness. And I said, I, 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 you come into the church and you sit down on the back pew and the preacher's walking around shaking everybody's hand and it's about time for the church to start. And he has every intention to go by and shake your hand, but he looks at his watch and he realizes it's time to start service. And he shook everybody's hands but yours. And he runs up to the pulpit thinking in himself, I'm preaching this sermon and before... I get out of here, I'll get to speak to them. 
Sure enough, because the person's mind is not right, the whole time he's up there preaching, he said, well, wonder what's wrong with him. He didn't come here. He didn't speak to me. He spoke to everybody else. He shook everybody else's hand, but didn't realize the intent that he had. So the longer you sit there letting that come into your mind, what's going to happen? By the end of the service, you might be cordial enough to say, I ain't going to walk out on him. But the minute he calls for an altar call, then you're going to get up and you're going to walk out. And I've had it happen before. They'll walk out and go downtown. That's the unfriendliest fellow I ever met in my life. <laughs> no, I was pushed up in a jam at that point. I wanted to talk to you, but I couldn't talk to you. And, and we've reacted on things like that because of what our mindset so, before we go to Darlene to find out every speck she's got in her eye, then we better make sure that our vision's clear, number one, and our mindset is right, and our intention is the right thing, too, as well. Because if you don't filter out unholy perceptions of people, Everything you try to do, you think that you're helping them, but everything you try to do drives them deeper into that addiction, drives them deeper into the way they are and deeper into that mindset. So ministry is such a fine line. And I've always lived by this motto, although some people may not think so. I'm not going to get in your life unless you invite me in your life. So honey ball, darling, if you invite me in your life, you better get ready for the bear better get ready for everything because I'm coming out with everything because you invite me. So I'm trying to stay out your life as long as I can. But when you finally turn around and say, I have a question and I need you to answer, that's your invitation and boy, you better get ready because I'm coming. Amen. And no, I won't talk into you just now. <laughs> See, I ain't having your conversation. Not me. I won't even think of that. <laughs> but being a sister with two preachers in the family, oh. <laughs> you have, you, their, their intentions are really good. Really good. And, they, and they, love, they love you. But sometimes being on the opposite end of it, you think, gosh, do I ever get any break? Because you want to please them, which you because they're doing right, you understand? And you don't in every area. You take it as you don't. Because you you're still human and you forget they're human too. So, you know, that's right. It's kinda of hard. But I've done it for you. They <laughs> killed me yet, so. <laughs> <laughs> I in there in by my teeth. <laughs> Any more comments? Because a lot of times you get something on your mind if you don't speak it, you know, when you get an opportunity and you say, well, I'll wait till later, and you, then you come lost it, even the opportunity is gone. Alrighty. This one is very good. Take it to Calvary. No, first cast the beam out of, of, of their own eye. That is the first thing we must do. We must recognize our unloving reaction to him as sin. On our knees, we must go with it to Calvary. See Jesus there and get a glimpse of what that sin cost him. At his feet, we must repent of it and be broken afresh. 
and trust the Lord Jesus to cleanse it away in his precious blood and fill us with his love for that one. And he will and does. If we will claim his promises, then we shall probably need to go to the other person in, in the attitude of, repentant, of the repentant one. Tell him of the sin that, we, that has been in our heart and what the blood has, has, has affected them and, and, and what the blood has affected there and ask him to forgive us too. Very often bystanders will tell us and sometimes our own heart that the sin we are confessing is not nearly so bad as the one that uh, the other's wrong, which is, which is not yet confessing. But we have been into Calvary Indeed, we are learning to live under the shadow of Calvary, and we have, have seen our sin there, and we can no longer compare our sin to another's. So, you know, if you go to someone and you start telling them, if you, if you start telling them how wrong you were, I, I might be getting ahead of myself because I think that's coming up in the next paragraph, but we, we, have to, we have to be, you can't just push it. Somebody, you know, you tell them you're wrong and then they'll open up more. As we take this simple step of repentance, then we can see clearly to cast the moat out of the other, other's eye, for the beam in our eye has gone. In that moment, God will pour light in on us as to the other's needs, and, and that neither he nor, he, nor we either even had, been, had before. We may see then that the moat we were so conscious of before is bodily non-existent. It was but the, the but the projection of something that was that was in us. On the other hand, we may have revealed to us hidden under underlying things of which he himself was hardly conscious. Then as God leads us, we must lovingly, humbly challenge him so that he may see them too and bring them to the fountain of for sin and find deliverance. He will be more likely than ever to let us do it. Indeed, if he is a humble man, he will be grateful to us, or he will know how now that there is no selfish motive in our heart, but only love and concern for him. So, you know, if your heart is not right, and you haven't, just like Sister Angela was saying, or if go to the Lord, and get, get get your heart right. Even though you, if you if, if people can uh, can sense if they have any discernment at all, if your heart is right, mm -hmm. and 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 uh, it, it, that's what and God knows, and then the anointing is there when you got your heart right, mm -hmm. and it's like hey, I'm going to go to that person even though you know I'm just going to no, you don't do that. You do it because you have prayed, you have have ministered life to yourself, you used the word on yourself and you and you and then you're ready to go. But if you if you just go into it too quickly you're gonna mess up. When God is leading us to challenge another, let not fear hold us back. Let let us not argue or press our point. Let us just say what God has told us to and leave it there. 
It is God's work, not ours, to cause the other to see. It takes time to be willing to bend. The proud, stiff-necked eye. When we, in turn, are challenged, let us not defend ourselves and explain ourselves. Let us take it in silence, thanking the, per the other, and then go to God about it and ask him if he, if, if he was right. Let us be humble enough to go and tell him and praise God together. There is no doubt that we need each other desperately. <clears throat> there are blind spots in all of our lives that we shall never see unless we are prepared for another uh, uh, to, to God's channel to let us, uh, help us. So God uses people to, to help us to see because sometimes we'll never see it. If we uh, if we if we just look at ourselves, because a lot of times we think we're okay, and we're not. Amen. So that is. Um, and a lot of times, even though you go to that person, you <coughs> help that person. A lot of times, that person will come back to you and thank you for it either. Mm -hmm. They don't really in the real world. This this would be the good. This is how we'd like for it to be. A lot of times, you may never hear. Well, you know, that person may never really humble themselves well enough to say, I appreciate what you said to that child. I thank you for what you, for how you helped me. Mm -hmm. Because, to be honest with you, people just don't want to be corrected most mm -hmm. of the time. No, they don't. Even if they are children of God. Mm -hmm. And they don't want to receive it, even if they're children of God. I do Yes, mm-hmm. It's but not just. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what it is that makes you get mad at another person. Oh, you know you're right. Most of the time, don't we? Mm -hmm. Pride. I don't think that's what it is. Because you care. Huh? Because you care. Yes, that's part of it. I think that is. Why would you? Would, you wouldn't get angry or upset with anybody if you didn't care about them. That's right. true. But why? I guess the best way to answer your question is it's one thing to be perturbed with someone or not like what to say or what to do, but the level of anger that you experience, mm -hmm. wonder why you can experience a certain level of anger with other people that you wouldn't with somebody else. Sometimes you just tolerate others more than you do someone who do others. A lot of times it's family too because you're going to respond to them, especially if it's your children, you're responsible. I think because also because you want them to see you in a good way and not want them to see that that's in you. So when they do see that in you, then it upsets you to the point of hurt and anger. And that's got a lot to do with it too. Yeah. I think also, let me submit this, another argument is that you really see what they see mm -hmm. and it hurts you so bad that you got to take out the anger on somebody else. That's right. And it hurts you so bad that you really can't say nothing to do with So that's when you start pointing out, well, you done this, you done that, and, and you're trying to retaliate back. Mm -hmm. Well, you're um, not so perfect yourself, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I think that this whole 
the, the whole Sermon on the Mount was psychological more than anything else. And it was uh, the Lord telling you, hey, we have this duty to watch after our brother and sister's soul. Yes, we have that duty. Uh, but if our psyche's not right, our mind's not right, if our vision's not right, if we're seeing the wrong thing, we're hearing the wrong thing, if we don't have a devotion of praying to the Lord, we don't have the right relationship with the Lord, uh, if we don't have the genuine love for our brother and sister, mm -hmm. if we don't allow the Holy Ghost to live through us, then we're going to get wrapped up in something that our mind pays attention to mm -hmm. and not what the Holy Ghost pays attention to. And if you ever get to the point in your life that you hear yourself say, you always do that, you're looking at the wrong thing. Because people don't always do that. Mm -hmm. They never always do that. Uh, they might do it a lot, but they don't always do that. And if you've reached a level where you finally made a decision in your life, Darlene, you always do that. Then you got the problem. It's not that Darlene got the problem, you got the problem. And I think the biggest part of this is how you got to get your mind cured up. You got to make sure that what you do see is in the Word. Mm -hmm. Amen. You got to make sure that uh, if you go to talk with someone, that you ain't trying to deliver them. Yeah. You're trying to give right. them some revelation and knowledge to where they will get the insight to see what you see. Mm -hmm. And if they don't see it, you've done your part. Eventually, the seed that you put in there will work. <clears throat> Sometimes the best ministry you can do for anybody is, all right, have it your way. Do what you want to do. That's the hardest thing to do, but that's the best thing that you can do. And mean it from your heart because then it gives you freedom that you were like tormented trying to figure out a way to help them without them getting pushing you aside or, or not seeing what you're trying to help them with. But once you say, okay, that's not like a that's sarcastic, that's it. Truly from your heart, okay. Just like you can do that for your own self, I am, I've come to the end of myself. I'm totally, you know, you can have low self-esteem. You can say, well, this is always happening to me. And you have wrong mindsets pulling things to you. There's a lot of reasons why we are in the shape that we're in. But it's all the key thing is to get in the word to see how to pull yourself out of where you're at. You know, our words are powerful. We know we have what we say. And we know that uh, uh, there are so many reasons why we're, we're in, the, in the shape we're in. We, we, so, for instance, we know that words are powerful and you have what you say. And if you say, I can never do that, I can never do it. Uh, or, or somebody might be speaking word curses over you. We have to learn daily. Null and void those word curses that we speak over ourselves. That's been spoken to us, by us, or about us. So if we want to come out of where we're at, we, we can, that's one place we can come. That's one place we can start at. And it could be like maybe you a generational curse that seems like it's always there. You know, you need to realize, hey, look, I'm delivered from it. Start saying what you word, the word tells you. You are who you are in Christ. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ. 
I know I flunked the test, you know, yeah. I flunked it so many times, but I am going to pass it in the name of Jesus. I'm getting a chance to start all over again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass it this time. I'm going to get in the Word. I'm going to stay in the Word, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to speak it over myself. I'm going to speak life to myself. And, and uh, with, with um, if when we begin to become doers of the Word, we're going to see life so much easier because we got to get ourselves together. we got to get ourselves straightened out. And once we get ourselves straightened out, then we, things will flow better for us. Amen. But the more of those logs that we have in our eyes trying to get the little teeny speck out of somebody else, the, we're just going to be missing that same old stuff going round and round, the same old thing happening. And not spinning our wheels and not, not being able to accomplish what we uh, should, what we, what we, if, what, as Christians, what we should be like. Receive it or don't ask for it. Hmm. I've been sitting here all night wondering if I need to say this or not, but I'll say it anyway. Yeah. And uh, it come to, I think the, one of the problems we really have is we don't like to see ourselves how somebody else sees it. Yes. And I think that's the big issue. And I will use this example because. Tina has called me a procrastinator. And I must be honest with you, in some things, yeah, I procrastinate. Yes, I'll be willing to say that I procrastinate some things. But not in everything. And I don't like the fact that she saw me as a procrastinator. Mm -hmm. you know? it, 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 it won't. And I didn't like the fact that she saw it that way. But that's when it comes into situations where, okay, now, just because Darlene procrastinates going to get her driver's license on the day we're due, don't mean that she procrastinates on the other thing that she does. That's right. And when you start treating that person like everything they do is procrastinating, it's like that little speck in your eye right here <laughs> irritating the heck out of you all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Does that make sense? Oh, sir. So it's helpful, although you see the problem with the person, because, hey, granted, everybody's got problems. But in the flip side of that, if you ever hear anybody call you that or call you anything, maybe we just need to stop a minute and say, what is it about me that made them see that? Mm -hmm. That's number one. Then number two, is he or she being hypercritical of me, or is she being critical of me, or he being critical? Of me? And if you can make a decision that they're being critical of you, then you can help one another. Mm -hmm. But if you reach to the point to where, what what would happen if she always thought I procrastinated? If she thought I procrastinated on everything, it would be okay. When are you gonna tie your shoes? When are you gonna go take a bath? When are you gonna brush your teeth? When are you going to brush your hair? When are you going to bed? When are you going to sweep the floor? When are you going to go out there on the car? When are you going to wash the car? When are you going to do this? When are you going to pay the bill? When are you going to do this? When are you going to make this phone call? And it's, it's like that all the time. And that's irritating. Mm -hmm. Now, it's one thing 
to see the one instance where they're procrastinators at. I'm using procrastination for example. And help them because of what procrastinating in that situation can bring in their life. But to nag them, and I'll use that word nag, nag them about things after after a while they'll get to the point of saying, okay, I'm 